Good morning, everybody. So good to see you all. Uh, I want to mention one thing about the Zilker baptism that Sarah was just talking about, and that is uh, ever since uh, I moved to Austin about three years ago, and I always thought, man, Zilker Park would be an amazing place to hold baptisms. And so Tag Camp is coming this week. Everyone give a big cheer for Tag Camp. So Tag Camp's coming this week. A lot of our students go off to camp, and something happens in their heart, and they say, okay, Jesus, I want to follow you with my life, and they make a decision. We're going to celebrate those decisions next week. Everyone say next, or sorry, next week. Everyone say July 1st. July 1st, we're going to make uh, celebrate all that at Zilker Park. And then what we're going to do is we're going to grill out a bunch of food, and we're actually just going to give it away for free to everyone at Zilker Park so, like, the whole city of Austin celebrates with us the baptisms. Kaka! And so uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be some memories. And so July 1st, plan on joining us. And if you've made a decision or if you want to recommit your life to God and uh, be baptized, it's going to be an incredible Sunday to do it, Sunday night. 5.30. It's uh, something new for us, and we're really excited about it. Well, I can tell you're looking past me at all these dapper-looking gentlemen b- back here. Browl. And so uh, we're going to do something a little bit different today. It's called 5 by 7 and we're going to do this from time to time in our church where five different people speak for seven minutes. Everyone say seven minutes. Hear that, fellas? And so uh, seven minutes each they're going to share. And the reason that we do this is because... Um, I've been in church a lot of my life, spent a lot of my life on Sundays hearing the Word of God, but sometimes the most important messages I've heard and have given to others have come outside the context of church. They've come sitting by a hospital bed. They've come at a kitchen table when someone's going through a really difficult thing in their life. And there's something that happens in us when we say, hey, I have to be ready to share the truth of Jesus in any situation. And so these five men up here are ready They are willing to share the truth. They have all served faithfully in our church, and I'm excited for them to share this morning. So what I want you to do is take a moment and imagine, and imagine that you're sitting up here about to share, about to step up and walk and grab the microphone, and imagine how you would feel, and then imagine how you'd want everyone else to react. You would want them to cheer. You would want them to laugh. You'd want them to shout amen. You'd want them to wave hankies. You would want to have church this morning. Amen? Okay, and so, thank you, Eunice. And so, uh, that's what we're looking for this morning. This is not kind of sit back and, hmm, this is is your peers, this is your friend. These are men of our church who have led faithfully, and we want to cheer them on and encourage them. Can you do that for me this morning, One Chapel? All right, then please welcome our first speaker this morning, my good friend, Mr. Brian Hurdle. Good afternoon, One Chapel. My name is Brian Hurdle. Um, you'll normally see me back behind that camera or hanging out with my beautiful family right here. Um, today I'd like to talk about how strength is hearing and trusting God's voice. Um, it was the summer after my freshman year at UT, and I was back at home in Dallas. And um, shortly after, I was unable to keep any food down and had these really bad abdominal pains, um, so much so that it was crippling. I couldn't even walk. Um, A few days later, I found myself in the ER and undergoing surgery. Uh, My appendix had actually ruptured. So I woke up from surgery, and I was in a lot of pain when I woke up, but my spirit was sort of at peace. It was at ease. But I'm looking at those who were looking at me. I could tell that their spirit was not. My parents, my family, they were quite concerned about my health and if I was actually going to live. Um, 
the surgeons didn't even completely stitch me back up. They left it kind of open just in case they had to go back in, but I won't get too gory on that. <laughs> and, um, and, and then I had lost a ton of weight. I, I know, right? You don't have much to lose. Picture me about 35 pounds lighter. I could have been the guy on TV, you know, just a dollar a day, and you can, sit, you can help this poor kid. That was me. Um, obviously, I fully recovered, and um, a few months later, I was back in my dorm, <coughs> excuse me, puberty. I was back in my dorm room, and um, I was reading the Bible. And I was in Luke, and I was reading about Jesus' healings. And then I read about the centurion who sent his people to go get Jesus and bring him back or, so, because he had a servant who was sick and about to die. Well, Jesus was, was on his way back, but the centurion didn't actually want Jesus in his house. He didn't feel worthy. So he said, just tell him to say it, and it'll be so. And then the man was healed. And that instant, just reading it right there, I remembered what actually happened to me when I was in that hospital bed. And God had come to me, and he just said, do you believe that I will take care of you? Do you believe that you'll be healed? My answer was simple. It was a yes. And that's where the peace came from that God gave me. Um, and um, so what Jesus actually did, my appendix burst, but it, it detached from where it normally is. And it isolated itself near my colon. So the, the, all the poisons didn't actually spread throughout my body. And the surgeons were able to get it all out. So in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it reads, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. So fast forward about six years from there. And I'm in a state that's not really too good. Um, I was in school, but I was failing. Um, I had lost all of my academic scholarship. I had been lying to my parents about my status in school, you know, switch where your report card goes so they don't get that at home. Um, and I was splitting rent with two other guys, two of my friends. Um, I had a decent job, but it was only part-time. And I wasn't in church either. The good news is I met my wife around this time. So sometime during that fall of 99, I knew instantly in my spirit that I had to do three things immediately. I had to quit my job, I had to move out and get my own place, and I had to just drop out of school, like for real, just drop out. Um, it was strange, but I just knew I had to do these things. And I wasn't even sure at the time, I wasn't saying God told me to do it, I just knew I needed to do it. Um, and as part of that, I came clean with my parents, and then, of course, if I was gonna keep seeing my wife, she told me I had to start going to church. So that happened, um, and I'm here today, the end, no. So instantly I was free and I was lifted, and God revealed something again to me, and it wasn't that he, he was the one, he revealed that, yes, I told you to do those things, but it wasn't just that, it was that you were in a deep depression, Brian, for about three years, and you didn't even know it, and so once I did those things, things just miraculously changed in my life and I was free from that depression. Here's what's important. Um, these encounters have helped me, one, realize God is telling me specific things because he wants to have a relationship with me specifically. And two, it allows me to remember what he did in the past and that he will do it next time for me when trouble arises. So I soon learned how to listen to God's voice and trust him for what he says. Um, quite honestly, it's something that's very easy for me to do. But I know that these lessons I had were t for times that were going to come that might be even harder. Um, there was a time I was at risk of losing my job because I wouldn't follow my boss's directions and do something that would compromise my beliefs and convictions. 
I had plenty of chances to cave in and actually do the work, but uh, God spoke again and promised that he would see me through it and take care of me, my wife, and my newborn twins. Um, I would also end up on the better side. Well, I didn't compromise, and I was fired. Um, for a while, things were hard and uncertain, and just when I hit my breaking point, I received a job offer from a position that I had interviewed with well before I had even gotten fired. So, and it was at a place I always wanted to work. So that job also helped launch my new career, and it's a career I'm thriving in now. But I still have to keep trusting God. There's, there's more and more. And there was a time that God spoke to me about the children I would have. Um, I always knew in my spirit that I would have twins, but God sent this little lady to tell me one morning, Brian, twins. And I was like, okay, whatever. And she said, no, God told me to tell you you're going to have twins. And this was at a time when my wife and I were having problems conceiving. Um, but lo and, lo and behold, Angela became pregnant with twins. Of course she did, right? This is God. I mean, me and God got it like that. So, um, But then tragedy hit, and Angela miscarried in the second trimester. Um, to, the, to this date, those were some of the worst days of my life. But um, I just moved on and trusted God. Angela and I had always wanted to adopt, so we decided to go down that path. And very quickly into the process, a couple um, chose us to adopt their, their baby. Um, just barely a few weeks before birth, we got a call into the um, social worker's office, and she said, the birth mom just found out she's actually having twins instead of one baby. Do you guys still want to adopt? I know. This morning, Connor came up. His first words were, you're about to cry. <laughs> anyway, as you can see, God worked it out again, and this time it was in the best way. You see, sometimes it's easy to hear God and trust for something from God when you know how to do it yourself and it's not a big deal. But trusting him when things aren't working out can be a challenge. Whatever your situation is, trust that God's specific word for you will come to pass. Hold on to that word and remember what he said. That's the hope that we actually have in Jesus Christ. Remember what he's done for you in the past and let that build and sustain your faith and your future through him. The Message Bible, it says, Proverbs 3, 5, 6, trust in God with the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen to God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. Thank you. Boom. Seven minutes. Seven minutes. My name is Darren. No, my, my, my name is Darren Green. I am the kids director here at uh, One Chapel Austin. And all the kids workers say, hey. Well, all right. Well, there's three of you anyways. Uh, the rest of them are working back there for us right now. Anyways, uh, my, the topic that I chose to speak on is strength and vulnerability. I don't like clocks, just so you know. But anyway, strength and vulnerability. So I'm going to be vulnerable. I had to tell you that. <clears throat> so have you ever noticed that God always does something in your life when you least expect it. Meaning this, when things seem to be going fine for me, and I'm like, I think everything's going good, he puts his finger on something. And it's like, I want you to deal with this. So this happened to me about two weeks ago. Um, a few Saturdays ago, I felt the Holy Spirit speaking to me about how I give 100% to my job, uh, to kids ministry here at One Chapel, but that I was missing it with my family. Uh, not that I wasn't present, uh, my wife calls me the taskmaster. So I like tasks, 
Anyway, so my days off typically go out to something like this. I wake up in the morning, and I have a list about this big, and I go through the day, and I check it off with hope that at the end of finishing my tasks, there will be time to spend with my family. Unfortunately, I said right here, it says it typically, what typically happens is I'm exhausted after I finish, and I w will then eat dinner, draw a nice bubble bath, and <laughs> then I retire for the night. I'm being vulnerable. <laughs> Can anyone else relate to the taskmaster, not the bath? And all the ladies that, that can, can identify with the bath say, yay. Um, <clears throat> all, right, so, all right, so I felt compelled to apologize to my family about this idea. And the best place to do this uh, would be Tuesday night dinner around the dinner table. Why not, right? Okay, so that Tuesday, I'm driving home from work. And while I'm driving home from work, the devil's playing with me, but not really the devil. It's just me going, oh, my gosh, there's no way you can do this. You're a guy. Guys don't apologize for stuff like that. There's no way. Just fix it and move on, and everything will be okay. And that's going on in my head. Then Pastor Rob gives me a call. Pastor Rob calls me out of the blue, which was great, and we bounced the idea off each other. And I was like, okay, obviously God wants me to do this, and this is really the next phase of my journey. So at dinner, conversation was going everywhere. I finally gathered up enough courage to address the issue. Conversations were everywhere, and I'm like, okay, enough is enough. I need to say something. I'm like, that's a really good way to start by apologizing. I have a task to accomplish. I just want to check this box. So anyways, um, I forgave, or I asked for forgiveness. I didn't forgive them. They forgave me. Uh, I'm like, will you forgive me for being a taskmaster and putting tasks before you? And uh, I'm, I, I just want to be present when I'm here. And it went well. And I was surprised that it went well. And even, even a little deeper, we had some great conversations that night. And uh, so I'm feeling like we've taken a turn for the best. <laughs> then I had another great idea. Since I found out I was speaking here, I would collaborate with my family about speaking here. And uh, so the next Tuesday dinner, I'm like, okay, hey, let's do this. Let's come up with a topic for me to talk on. I've got some ideas. I want to talk about strength and vulnerability, maybe, or humility. And then I'm like, so what I really want is I want you guys to be honest with me about last Tuesday's dinner. Let me just eat that foot. Um, so little did I realize... Little did I realize that I was going down this path that I didn't really want to go down, but I did, but I didn't, but I did. And so I looked up the word vulnerability because I had no idea what it really meant. It just sounded cool. So, <clears throat> so I look up the word vulnerabil vulnerability, and are you ready? It means this, the quality or state of being exposed to the possibility of being attacked or harmed, either physically or emotionally. <laughs> I cannot be attacked. I can't defend myself. I'm a little guy. And even I'm super emotional, so I'm like, what did I just embark on? Who in their right mind wants to speak on strength and vulnerability and is going to be vulnerable before their family? Anyways, long story short, it went south so fast, so fast, <laughs> so fast. I'm like, do not be honest. I'm defending myself opposed to empathizing with them and processing with them. And so after the conversation, I ran to my room without a twist. No, I ran to my room, slammed the door. I didn't really slam the door, but I went into my room, closed the door, uh, went into the bathroom, sat on the bathtub ledge, and, um, and sobbed bitterly for a while, realizing that that was probably the biggest mistake that I've ever done in my family. <laughs> Next day, oh, sorry, that was when the Holy Spirit gave me the scripture, 2 Corinthians 12, 9, and 10. Boom. 
But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. I felt Jesus speaking to me through that scripture. He's like, thank you for your vulnerability tonight. I know it was hard, uh, but my power is made perfect in your weakness. Uh, for when you're weak, my power fills you and makes you strong. And I was like, okay. Next morning I wake up going, okay, I should be pumped up, motivated to conquer the world. Felt defeated. I'm like, oh, no. I don't want to see my family. Um, so they bought me this card because the next day was my birthday. Happy birthday to me. Here's the birthday card. Three donkeys. I don't understand it. But anyways, three donkeys, and that's that. So I wake up, and, and I, have three, I do have three little donkeys. But uh, anyways, that's a different story. So I woke up feeling depressed, and, and when I got home that night from practice here and a hard day at work, um, these cards were here. And so I started reading these cards. And, well, this one was the next morning. But I read this card, and this, this, this card is the one that messed me up. It says, Happy Birthday, Dad. I'm thankful to have you as a father. I know we've gone through some rough times, but I wouldn't want to call anyone else. Man, every time I say it, anyone else my dad. You know, that pierced my heart. Thank you for all you continually do for us by checking your boxes. She didn't say that, but, and how much, how much you care for us. And then she goes down to the bottom. You're a great father, a great pastor, a great counselor, a great leader, a great example. I love you. And then Judah says, I'm the best human being on the planet. Um, but, <clears throat> but then uh, the other one was this. It says, oh gosh, this is why I brought these glasses. I said it in the first service that I think Noah's going to be a doctor. Um, but this isn't from Noah, it's just from somebody else. Anyways, so it says this, um, it's easy to look back on the past and wish that you had some, um, and wish that, it's easy to look back at the past and wish that something never happened, like these five years. It's easy to look back and think that the enemy was attacking you, but I would like to challenge you and think that maybe uh, that needed to happen. Maybe God is using uh, that suffering to bring forth honesty and vulnerability in this family that will, oh, why does it make me cry? That will eventually lead us to deeper relationships and stronger bonds between us. Maybe there uh, was something necessary, or there was a necessary death that needed to happen in order for new life to fill the cracks of our relationships. And then at the very bottom, he says, P.S., I'm excited to see where all this vulnerability and honesty takes us. So typically as a dad, you don't apologize. You don't do that, right? What you do is, is you just move on and you fix it. However, my challenge to you and to me is be vulnerable. Have the hard conversations. Expose your weaknesses because in those weaknesses, the Holy Spirit comes in and he does wrap his arms around you and your family. Tristan. Thanks, Darren. I, I didn't know you took baths. Do you the bath bomb? Do you use a bath bomb? Uh, okay, bubbles. I thought that was the same thing. Um, hi, I'm Tristan. Uh, I am a millennial. I was born in the 90s. Do we have any 90s babies in here? Man, there was like only one in first service. 
Um, so, yeah, I was born in 1995, uh, the year of This Is How We Do It by Montel Jordan, Wonderwall, and um, Gangster's Paradise. Yeah. Oh, not ready? Okay. Um, anyway, so uh, two years after The Sandlot was made, one year after PlayStation 1, and uh, three years before Google and uh, MP3 stepped onto the scene. So, you know, it's all, all cool stuff, um, you know, but I was kind of thinking, what, what do all those things do? And they really uh, are things that empower the individual, right? So you can, you can play on a PlayStation and, you know, be entertained by yourself. You can go on Google and come up with your own philosophy, religion, whatever, just by, you know, Googling some questions. I'm actually so young that the first thing I Googled was, what is Yahoo? It is funny, Darren. So, <laughs> he still uses Yahoo. And baths. So, um, so yeah, all these things, they, they empower the individual, right? Um, and, and you see this even furthermore, like in a supermarket, there's 27 different versions of toothpaste. There are nine different varieties of Pringles, 11 different flavors of Cheerios, 25 formulations of head and shoulder shampoo. It should be called head, shoulders, knees, and toes if they have 25 versions. And uh, about 70 different versions of Campbell's soup. So you would think that uh, this, is, this is all I've ever known, right? This, this world uh, of, you know, all these choices. You would think that that would lead, you know, me and my generation to, you know, have very strong beliefs about who I am and about what I believe, right? Right? Yeah. So, but it's, it's the contrary is what you find. You do a quick Google search and it says, you know, about millennials, what they believe, and here's the headlines. Confused millennials at 26 and 27. Millennials are a little confused when it comes to privacy. Millennials, racism, an MTV poll. Young people are confused. A third of millennials are confused about the world being round. That's true. <laughs> one, of these, uh, one of these articles, I read it, it says, millennials love entrepreneurs and they hate capitalism. <laughs> they love socialism, but they hate the government. They love vegetarianism, but none of them are vegetarians. They eat just as much meat as every other generation. So there's something going on here, right? It's like, what, what is this? And uh, I think that we've built a culture that is, uh, it's, it's, it's very warm. It's very uh, comfortable to the preferences, but maybe not so much the beliefs. God spoke to Mo Moses. This is Numbers 15, 37. God spoke to Moses, speak to the people of Israel. Tell them that from now on, they are to make tassels on the corners of their garments and to mark each corner tassel with a blue thread. When you look at these tassels, you'll remember and keep the commandments of God and not get distracted by everything you feel or see that seduces you into infidelities. The tassels will signal remem remembrance and observation of all my commands to live a holy life to God. 
Just contrast that to Disney, right? Believe in yourself. Chase your dreams. Follow your heart. And here it says, make tassels. Put them on your garments. And when you see these, you won't be distracted by the things you feel or see. You won't be seduced by infidelities. There's so much strength in faithfulness. I was supposed to say that at the beginning. Strength is faithfulness. Sorry, Rob. Um, there is strength in faithfulness, right? Uh, my, my dad is a, was a landscaper. This was his first job, was, was a, to be a landscaper. And, uh, you know, he, he was in Los Angeles area, and he'd tell me, so when I was in a landscaper in Malibu, we, we take a whole mountain, we put trees on that in one hour. Me and your Uncle Leo, we just put the trees there. We're faster than anyone else. <laughs> That's my Wayne Tully voice. Um, but so he would teach me when we were planting trees, he'd say, when you're planting a tree on a mountain, if this is the tree, you need to plant the crown. That's where the, the soil and the, the stump or the branch, what is this? The base of the tree, the trunk, the trunk things. I had that in first service. Um, you want that crown to be two or three inches below the soil level, and you want like four posts around this tree with ropes holding the tree up so it doesn't blow around. But that's just the first tree. The second tree you plant on that same mountain in that area, you just need two posts. The third tree, you don't even need any posts at all. Fourth tree, just get it in the ground, and it'll do fine. So what is, what is that? What's that mean? Church, we need to see, especially older generation, you guys need to see that you just being there, you just being faithful provides strength not only to you but to the younger generation. The, the, the bottom foundation of a house, you know, the second foundation cannot be any stronger than that bottom foundation. So there's young people here in this church that need you. They need your involvement. They need you to be a big, strong oak in their life, providing them strength, providing them protection from the wind, to, to provide them a, a network of roots, to, to help them be rooted in where they are. There's, there's summer camp going on this next week, and if you're like, oh, I don't, I don't know how to get involved, that's, there you go. Sign up. Come help us out. We're, we're going to be meeting with tons of young people. And young people, press in, lean in. Don't, don't think that it's best to go on your own way. It's okay to to, to change, you know, a tree, it moves wherever the light is, but it stays rooted. It stays rooted in its heritage. It looks at that garment and it says, I remember. I remember what God told me. I remember what he said. And we follow that. There's so much strength and faithfulness. Don't be uh, faithless. Don't lack faith. No matter what's going on in your life, if it's your career, it's like, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. If it's your marriage, like, we, we've done this over and over and over again. There's there's staying power. Staying power means something. Thank you, guys. Good morning, One Chapel. Wait, it's afternoon. Good afternoon. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Luke. Uh, Luke Perry, my wife Beth, is actually in this service over there. Uh, we've been going here for a little under two years. Yes, thank you. Uh, she just, you can clap for her because she just gave birth to our third child three weeks ago. Yes, yes, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So I would say I'm a very proud and happy and also sufficiently tired dad in front of you today. 
Uh, I want to confess something in front of you just to start off. I think maybe that, that will be helpful. Is that okay with you guys? Is that good? I struggle. I struggle, like, on a regular basis, right? Uh, uh, some days more than others. Uh, but I think that's something that we all have in common. And I would like, if you guys would I admit it with me or confess if you're willing to, let me see a show of hands of the number of people that also struggle in here. Oh, nice. Look around, y'all. That's comforting, right? And I would argue that the ones that are not raising their hands are struggling to hear me or to stay awake right now. Like, I tell you, what I believe is that when we struggle, we find strength. So I think strength is struggle. And there is no strength without a struggle. Let me tell you a quick story. A couple of years ago, I'm out on our back deck, okay? It's a Saturday afternoon, and I'm struggling in my life, okay? I'm struggling in my, in my life at that moment. I can feel the emotions coming up already. The weight of the world was, was, was on me, or at least I felt like it. I really did. Um, my wife comes out. She's walking uh, back, and you see, at this point, we've been looking for a church home for several years, and it was a struggle. Like, it, it really was. And she comes up to me in a chirpy voice, per usual. Uh, she says, okay, babe, we're going to church tomorrow. Just kind of like that. That's the best I can do. Um, and I just felt this rush of, of, like, blood to my head. And I said, babe, I'm done. I'm, I'm done. I can't do it anymore. I don't even want to do it anymore. Right? That's how I felt. Right then. And she said, I tell you what, I've been praying about this. And you're the leader of this family, right? And we follow you. But if you will follow me on this one, let me leave. We're going to find a church. That's what my wife said right here. You can give her a hand. Thank you. I start busting out in tears immediately. I mean, the real emotions, this is raw. I don't want to overblow it. It was a big deal for us. And it was not what I wanted to hear, but it's exactly what I needed to hear in that moment at that time, right? And I said, I will, when I finally mustered up the strength to speak. Okay, five days later, and this is several years, right, into this journey. Five days later, we get invited to one chapel. And we say yes, or my wife did, and I'm following at this point. Uh, so we're, we're, we're driving to a church we've never been to. We're running late. Shocker. Uh, I'm driving circles around this general area, but I, I don't have any idea where I'm going. I'm looking for it. Like, what kind of church is this? Where is this place, right? We show up in the parking lot. I'm, I'm kind of over it at this point. We're 15 minutes late, right? By God's grace, my friend told us that church started at 11, but it starts at 1130. You guys know that, right? So we're 15 minutes early. Anybody else struggle on being on time in here? Anyone? Okay. I saw some of you guys walking in back there. <laughs> yep. Uh, so anyways, we're walking in. I have, I have no expectations, but I'm following. Like I said, we come in. We get a warm welcome. That's great. We find a kid's room somewhere. Uh, get through all of that. I'm pleasantly surprised to find that there is not only hot and fresh coffee, but we get to have it, like, in church. We did take it in the service. That's awesome. That's good. So we walk in. I remember it like it was yesterday. I really do. We were, we were in the back, right back there. 
and um, I'm looking around. See, my wife and I both went to a traditional church. That's what we grew up in, for better or worse. And I'm looking around seeing people raising their hands. Some people are jumping up and down. I'm like, what is going on in here? What's happening? Uh, but as this song starts to, to build and worship does as well, there's this stirring that's going on in my, in my soul. It's happening, you know. I can feel the heat coming up. Yeah, my, my heart is fluttering. My throat is hot. And then all of a sudden my eyes start welling up. And I'm like, man, I don't want to cry right now. <laughs> I really don't. I really don't want to cry right now. Um, so I'm staring straight ahead, uh, barely moving. And, and then I start thinking, as the tears are running down, I'm, I'm like, okay, what is my wife thinking right now? What's going through her head? And so I ever so slightly start to turn and see. And right, right when I start to catch the corner of her eyes, she looks at me. And her eyes are filled with tears as well, right? It was a beautiful, beautiful moment, and we knew. We didn't have to talk about it, although we did later, uh, that we were home. We had found our home. It was great. Thank you again. Thank you. So, yeah. Yes, yes. Come on, give it up. Yes, good. So this is just one example. I mean, you heard some more dramatic stories up here even this morning, right? But, um, but this one is a vivid struggle for us, and my wife uh, pulled us through right? She pulled us through that struggle, and I know the Lord was giving her strength to do so at that time. When we struggled together, right, like we found strength together, and, and our faith is strong, right? We found strength in our faith. We found strength in our marriage. We are much stronger and equipped parents today, and we found a church family, y'all. The struggle was worth it, for the strength that we receive. That's what I'm here to say, okay? Let me jump right into a, a passage. It's very short. It's two verses. But it's something I, I would encourage you to, to meditate on this week because I have to keep coming back to it. So go to Luke 11, 34 through 35. I'm going to read the ESV. The NIV is up on the, on the uh, monitor. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when it is bad, your body is full of darkness. Think about that. Therefore, and as Pastor Ken says, that's what it's there for, right? So get ready. Be careful lest the light in you be darkness. Does anyone else here struggle with how you see things, receive things, and perceive things throughout your day and your life? Anybody? Or is it just me? It's a real struggle, y'all. It's, it's a real struggle. But I think Jesus is saying here that how you see is who you will be, okay? How you see is who you will be. And so I think we need to struggle for that. We need to struggle to, say, to see that light. You'll notice here, he doesn't say if your eye is healthy or it's bad. He says when. Jesus didn't, didn't uh, try to tell us that we wouldn't have a hard life. He, he went to great lengths to tell us exactly the opposite. You see, my eyes were bad at that point in my life. My eyes were bad. I wasn't seeing clearly. I really wasn't. Uh, but I thank God that I was not struggling alone, right? And I just feel like up here this morning, I want to say, if anyone feels like they're struggling alone, I, I want you to just please understand, it does not have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. Here at One Chapel, we struggle together, 
okay? We struggle together, and, and, and we find strength together, right? So let me end with this. I just think we can't forget to embrace struggles, right? Because as long as we're here on this earth, they're not going to leave, right? We're going to have struggles always. But the light of this world has promised us to give us strength, right? The eternal reward is the utter absence of struggle, and that'll be gone. And I believe, I believe if we're not struggling for something, then what is the point? Thank you, guys. Thank you. Hey, guys. I'm David Jakub, and you know me from leading worship once in a while, and I also do Latino pastoring, a little bit of that. And so they told us do strength in something. So, you know, may maybe strength is food, protein, and steak, and tacos, but then strength becomes this very strong here and pretty defective, too. Like, I try shirts on, and... I don't know. I gotta go bigger, but whatever. So I thought strength, strength is involvement, being involved. You know, we we miss out because we get involved so much in our work and and you know our TV and Netflix. Wow. So sorry, I just confessed to all that. So yeah, get involved with your family. You know, being involved with family is so important. That's my first point. And. Ugh. So I, I think that sometimes we miss out on, you know, the school dances and all that. Like, my wife is always like, go to school and have lunch with the kids. Me no likey school. I don't, I don't like to go to school. I graduated from that, passed that. I like being an adult, you know. I don't like being with the kids. So, but I go, and it's super fun, and I get to know my kids when I do that. So you try it, too. I remember... Um, my dad, I, I mean, you know, I think we're good, honest people, me and my brother and my sister. And, you know, just because my mom was super involved, she's here from Honduras today, and she's visiting, yeah. And so, you know, she's always, she was always picking us up at school. She was there for Mother's Day, for graduating, for Father's Day. She was there at school seeing what was going on because my dad couldn't go. And so, you know, it, that, that made us good people, I, I think. And... My, now, what we do is we escape, you know, our family. Like, it, it, not only men, but men, we have men caves now, you know. But back then, my dad's house was his man cave. And we watched on the TV whatever he was watching, even if it wasn't Arab. And nobody spoke Arab in the house. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we went to the restaurant he, he picked. Like, my kids are all like, <laughs> you know, I want to eat Chinese. And they don't let me because they want to go eat pizza. So, they're the bosses now. So, I, I remember this one time in my school. Uh, I asked in the first service if I could say fart, but they said no. Darren told me to say fluff. So, I'm going to use that. Somebody fluffed in the class. And in my computer class. And I'm from Honduras, and I went to a bilingual school. And so, the teacher was required to speak English in the class. But her accent was hilarious, and so we lit a match with a friend, because it was so bad, the smell. And she was like super high GP, GP, whatever, you know, that thing. I almost said GPS. So, you know, super smart girl. And so, <laughs> and so 
<laughs> Man, English is hard. I'm sorry about my accent, guys. I'm trying my best. So, so it, she, the teacher freaks out. She's like, oh, my goodness, you're going to boom in the school. You're going to explosion with the fire to burn in the computers. What is wrong with you? Oh, my gosh, you go to the principal right now. I'm like, okay, so we got, we're going to suspend on you for a week. And the principal's like, I'm not going to suspend them for a week for lighting a match in the computer room. But, okay, so, guys, I'm suspending you for a day. Pick a day, whatever. That day, my mom doesn't go pick me up. My dad is waiting for me outside. <laughs> so I got to explain to my Jordanian dad, who immigrated to Honduras, what suspension means. I'm like, Dad, so I misbehave, and they don't want me to. What do you, what do you mean you will suspend it? I'm like, you know, we did bad, and so they don't want me in school for a day. I'm punished. I need to stay home. What do you mean? This country is not right. You are stupid. You have to put you in school, not give you vacation day because you misbehave. <laughs> He's like, what's wrong here? So <laughs> I remember the day my mom told me my grandfather spoke seven languages. And, I, and my dad told me that his dad was, I know I'm short, but my grandfather was the tallest guy in his, in his whatever, uh, you know, where Jordan, wherever he was. And when I told my kids, they were so impressed. I was so impressed. I wanted to learn languages. My kids don't even want to learn Spanish. So being patriarchs in your house, sitting at the dinner table and influencing your family is so important. Everybody influencing each other, having a story, you know, having a background, a legacy. That's so important. We miss on that right now because my kids want to be playing video games while they eat their dinner. You know, and uh, we, don't, we don't let that happen. That's so wrong. So... Another thing is, guys, we need to be involved in our church. I remember the first time I came to church, I wanted to fill the void, the emptiness, the emptiness that I had because my friends were not going to like my new way of life, okay? But being in church, I remember that church I went to, we had Tuesday discipleship and midweek service and youth prayer. Every day there was something to do. I went to all of them, even funerals and weddings. I was there because... Then help me grow and understand the word of God, you know. And so, and help other people. Helping other people makes you help yourself, you know. It helps you when you're helping somebody else. So being involved in church is so important. The last thing I want to say is being involved in a community helps you be be strong. You know, I remember when I opened my group and, and I, I thought, wow, I'm going to have to get better with the American jokes. Or whatever. But the first guy that show up, showed up was Juan Escriu, and he's like 60 years old. And I'm like, we're not going to have anything in common. Turns out I'm from Honduras, and he's Guatemalan. And we both, the, you know, as soon as I, my, my group's name was One Charcoal, by the way. So all we did was eat. There's something good about vulnerability. Somebody was talking about that. When you have a taco in your mouth, and you're telling a story of your situation so we need to do that you know be together and so I found out that he likes carne asada and tortillas and steak and and pico de gallo and you know we became friends and now I go to his daughter's weddings and he comes to my kids birthdays and we're like family now so community church you know your family is so important there's strength in that be involved in 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 all these important things of life where your treasure is there your heart will be. Love you, one chapel.
That was awesome, David. When you talk about Jesus and when you talk about tacos, I get saved every time. It's so good. And so uh, thank you for that. Can we give all these guys a big hand? Doing such a great job. I think for me, growing up in church, it was like Mother's Day was like, Mom, you are so incredible. Mothers, we love you. Mothers, you're amazing. And then Father's Day was like, Dads, you need to get it together. I don't know what's going on here. And so I love that we're a church where these men can come up here and encourage you and say, follow Jesus the way that I follow Jesus. These guys aren't just giving messages or whatever else. Their lives reflect this. And so it's such an honor for me to get to hear from different ones of these guys and for all of us to get to hear that. And so as we close today, we're going to uh, have communion together. And uh, I want to call us to the table, and we take communion as a way to remember what God did in our life. We take communion in a way to remember, Jesus, thank you for giving your life for us. But I think sometimes with communion, when we look at God, a lot of times where things go off is the, the scriptures say, God the Father. And sometimes where faith goes so off is we've had a father figure, we've had our actual father, we've had a teacher, we've had a pastor, we've had someone let us down in a deep, profound way. And so I think when that happens in our life and we say, God the Father, we say our kind of internal monologue, that struggle that Luke was talking about, we say, you know what? God's going to let me down just like my father did, just like that male figure in my life, just like that person in my life. And so as we end today, I want us to uh, take communion together and just kind of reset and reflect. And I want you to know this. I want to tell you this this morning, that God is a good father, that Jesus loves you. And wants to walk with you. And I love what Brian said. Even in those situations that are great or those situations where things are falling apart and it's like, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. God walks through with us through those situations. So I want us to reflect upon that as we take communion today. So if you would, in just a moment, pray with me. And then we practice open communion at one chapel, which means anyone who confesses that Jesus is their Lord is invited to take communion with us. We start at the right and we make our way all the way through. So if you would pray with me, and then let's come to the table together. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the words that were shared this morning. I thank you for the encouragement, the excitement, the enthusiasm, Lord, and the admonishment to follow you with our hearts and our lives, Lord. We're trying to learn to do that better every single day. So if you would, be with us this morning. Help us realize that you are with us, and you love us, and you are walking with us. We take communion this morning as a way to remember who you are and how you sacrificed for us. We love you and we praise you. In your name, amen.